0: Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tegos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our Webinar Wednesdays when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Webinar Wednesday by Smart Karma. I'm Michael Tegos. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the webinar uh, insight provider, Piari Menon. He will share his stock ideas based on data mined from technical publications, such as patents and research papers. I will uh, let Piari uh, share more about his process. The floor is yours.
1: Hey, Thanks, Michael.
0: Um,
1: so this is uh, the first time I'm Presenting something on Smart Karma, and uh, it's you know pretty much giving. uh, I'd really like some kind of feedback, uh, partly because this is still kind of somewhat work in progress. If anybody has has any ideas, either you can share it with Smart Karma, who then sends it to me. Um, You know, the whole idea is to see how this can actually become a better product as well. Uh, You know, firstly is I think um, you know a lot of what we as investors do um, is pretty data driven. Uh, end of the day, I think a lot of the st- standard data that we have historically used is available quite commonly with most investors, and um, you know investors are always looking for an edge, and they're looking for different types of data, uh, you know, and that is less commonly used data to get that edge. Uh, in fact, you know, in some ways, the reason I use the word data mining as well is because it is data mining, but at the same time, it's kind of a catchphrase today to grab attention as well so what i first thought is since a lot of data mining is already being done uh, i thought i'll just run through you know what is it that i do which is slightly different from uh, what a lot of the other uh, data providers do or uh, you know just in terms of how it can be used very differently so this is basically you know i just thought that i will divide it into four subsections as to how it is kind of slightly different from what others do firstly is Uh, You know, the capturing of the data which is finally used is not that easy, but the data is very easily available as far as I'm concerned for the data that I use. Uh, But in some of the other big data uh, methods, uh, the data availability itself is difficult and the capture is even more difficult in the sense that they have to use satellite images. Some of them use credit cards, uh, data, some of them even use drones, Uh, social media is another one. Uh, but in this case the only data source that i used are published documents uh, which frankly is quite easily available and uh, in many cases though the data extracting the data is a little bit involved the data is very easily available uh, and the bulk of the data which i am using is actually coming from uh, patent databases which are you know in many cases there are many sources and they are pretty publicly available data sources uh, and the reason that patents is the overwhelming uh, kind of data set that he use is because in some of the technical papers, though we do use it, we don't get company names. It is only the names of the person who wrote the report. So then it gives one more layer in the sense that you have to go and search where does this comp- this person work and when did he work with that, which kind of starts to get uh, very involved. But end of the day, the patent database itself is very, very large. It goes into hundreds of millions of documents uh, overall. So we have a large enough data set to uh, play around with. Uh, Now, I think the type of data is also slightly different from what uh, some of the other data providers use uh, in the sense that there is a quantitative aspect to it, but uh, we do use uh, some qualitative aspect to finally come uh, to kind of uh, give numbers to uh, the criteria we are looking at uh, other data sets also use when we are looking at sentiment in indi- the indicators or looking at imageries there is a certain amount of subjective and qualitative element to it but a lot of that is i think uh, you know driven uh, by just your quantum uh, kind of numbers uh, data quality i think the one big difference is that a uh, lot of the data which a lot of other all data providers provide is very unstructured uh, tougher to get this is actually quite curated and uh, to be honest with you you know the rock that what we are extracting from is as good as a PNL or an earnings announcement which companies make uh, the only issue is how do you get into it and pull out uh, you know what are the details that you need but the quality of what is being uh, the documents from which which is being extracted, is generally of a very high quality. Now, finally, I think, you know, what is the end goal? End of the day, all this is fine, but what are you trying to achieve is really what the bottom line is. And, um, you know, I think in in any any case, I think, um, you know, both are trying to get some kind of an edge, but this particular insights coming from technical publications, I think one big difference is it is primarily a long-term focused thing. A lot of the, uh, I think, uh, the, the issue is really like you know you know what is happening. The innovation that have happened is correct, but there is an element of execution risk down the line as to whether the companies can actually make use of these innovations and execute uh, fully to benefit. But a lot of the other all data which is used actually the execution has already been already happened. Uh, it is just that it has not been reported, and people are just trying to kind of uh, see patterns. Correlations and then kind of try to extract information from that for short-term trading reasons. Very often. Uh, so, and the last point is between who can use it. Is I think um, very culturally. If I were to look at it, uh, you know what I'm doing here in uh, you know extracting, data mining technical publications would possibly fit better with traditional funds and traditional hedge funds. Uh, which have slight and not just trading in terms of systematic trading where they see some patterns uh, they go for it so i think that is the primarily difference primary difference between uh, what i am trying to do here and which a lot of all data uh, pro- other all data providers uh, provide there will be insights in that but there is much more short term oriented and uh, i think just in terms of quality of data that is which uh, i am using the, the raw thing is actually you know, very well, uh, is quite pristine. So I just thought that, uh, you know, um, this is something to see whether it worked, uh, you know, the thing can work at all. Uh, You know, I just thought i will use a proof of concept. Um, And frankly, I really have not kind of back-tested it to see whether or retrofitted to pick two two stocks. The reason I picked was, actually, it was pretty random. Uh, The reason I did is, firstly, you know, I picked tech because, I generally thought that is where the maximum impact could be seen because you know innovations make a big difference. Uh, the second reason I did this because uh, both Largan and Genius are you know uh, have got only simple businesses. they are in only into one business. So a comparison is not corrupted with innovations in some other area. So that was the other reason that I picked this and they basically just make uh, you know camera modules uh, and sell to cell phones and other things. Uh, and so that is and you know they, th- that is the reason I picked these two and there has really been no retrofitting. But one of the things which stands out if you look is uh, you know about two to three years after Lagan started to really out innovate uh, Genius, the stock had spectacular outperformance. It took a while for the market to know it, but uh, after that, you know they start of course they started to execute and deliver as well. That's a different thing. But um, you know, someone could have had a look at this and given a high probability that even if half of what innovation they were uh, exceeding Genius was uh, they were doing, that the stock is very likely to uh, outperform over time. Uh, Genius did catch up, and which is why you will see that, um, I think um, you see you know, the outperformance is kind of narrow. Uh, even now, I think the the you know, Largan clearly has uh, much higher levels of uh, innovation. So it is likely that over the longer term, they will continue to outperform. But, uh, you know, Genius did catch up uh, when both Largan's innovations started to slow down a little bit and Genius started to have uh, higher innovations. And there were certain areas in which I think, uh, you know, they were able to, you know, almost be as good as Largan in some of the areas, particularly something called the F number in lenses. So I think basically bottom line, what this tells you is that um, you know end of the day, if companies have to come up with competitive advantage which allows them high margins, better returns, uh, and long- term share price performance, uh, you know innovation is absolutely critical. I think that is basically what uh, drives long-term competitive advantage for companies. So I just thought as to I will give an idea of what happens when we run the algorithm. And this is actually, I've not published this. This was done as a bespoke work for somebody who wanted to have some insight into the area of dentistry. Uh, They were looking for something quite specific and all that. But uh, having run it, and it was run recently, I just thought that I will kind of uh, tell what happens when we run it. So when we run this, obviously, keywords and all those kind of uh, things are used. But what the algorithm does is basically it crawls through all the kind of patent databases that we have asked looking for this specific kind of industry. In this case, we actually looked at uh, the dentistry industry. And then it just pulls down all the names of the companies which are there. And it then populates the uh, different criteria that we use to kind of assess whether you know they've got some kind of an advantage. It basically counts various things and gives you those numbers. So it assesses in for various criteria and it ranks them. Now, there are about 160 companies in these three slides, and that is just the companies which start with the alphabet A. So that's all. So you have actually, just in the area of dentistry, about 2,500 companies uh, which basically operate in this, and uh, it'll pretty much capture most of them. So long as the company has uh, published or written something about what they do in the area of dentistry, uh, we are able to capture those things. and. Um, we are able to also kind of look how often these things have been mentioned, who has mentioned it, and those kind of stuff, and figure out you know whether the innovations will be impactful or not, and uh, thereby kind of start to rank them for various criteria. Uh, and actually, just to give you two of the big names in this, basically, Bent is a large player as well as Align Technologies, and you know what I showed you in the Largan. Uh, versus genius example actually works even in this. I don't have the comparative charts, but sometime I think towards 2013 14, Align Technologies actually came up with a lot of new innovations. And two, three years down the line, uh, actually they started to outperform DensePly quite significantly. Though long term, I think Densply has got a much higher accumulated innovation. There was this brief spurt that Align Technologies came up with and which allowed them to kind of have a significant outperformance versus uh, dense supply, and I think that's the kind of story that you see in many many of the uh, other sectors which you analyze well. This is roughly you know something that we kind of publish uh, when we write reports. Uh, it's there in most of the reports that we I've written about six reports, uh, but uh, th- this is something that kind of has a table which I provide. Now, one of the first thing that you see is you know in these tables is Something such as reconfirmation. We know some of the companies lead in these in you know, a particular sector or area, and that is the easy part. And they basically do show up, uh, partly because you know they are leaders, and uh, the algorithm will capture them for sure. But I think what it allows you to do, somewhat, uh, just in terms of add value, is uh, we may not know exactly how dominant they are, or you know, is there somebody else, or are we overestimating their dominance in a particular area? So that is one thing that this table will be able to tell you. The other thing which it kind of does is uh, there are a lot of uh, you know smaller companies and private companies which punch well about what they' what you expect out of them. And this is able to capture that as well. And when that kind of happens, I think uh, and very often it might be in a niche area which they are basically doing very, very well. And you will see that these companies are classic cases for getting acquisition. In fact, this particular table, uh, I ran the numbers for what it would have been like uh, three years ago. That is, the last three years of uh, publications I just ignored and looked at how the number, how the companies would have fared three years ago. And you'll see that six of the 20, uh, which I've actually highlighted in bold, have been acquired. But if you really look one step lower, that is, some of the smaller companies. You'll find that you know half of them have been acquired. So one of the benefits of this is you can actually kind of see you know are there any potential acquisition targets uh, you know a couple of years down the line. And as I said, this is a long-term one. So uh, in the industry, they might be watching, but things will have to still kind of play out before somebody comes in and buys them. But uh, you can actually you know get a good sense of who might be good acquisition targets. Um, in, in this area. The other thing which I, I told you about the keywords that you can use, uh, so what this algorithm allows you to do is allows you to narrow down your searches within a particular area. So to give you an example is this can be done across sectors. So uh, over here peptides is a large area which we looked at and then you know if somebody just wants to look at the antibodies uh, kind of behavior of peptides, they can go into another subgroup, a smaller group and uh, do an analysis of just that area and see who are the people leading. Or the next case is you can look as, you know, who has actually come up with proper cures of it. Uh, so this is, you know, you go and look at uh, peptides which target tumors and uh, you'll get a different set of companies which come up with it. So depending on how deep you want to go or how narrow you want to go or how broad you want to go, the analysis can be done and uh, and this is across so another example would be if you're looking at alloys uh, you can look at the overall alloy space or you can look at you know steel alloys or you look you can look at alloys with rare earth elements uh, in them so it allows you to do uh, multiple things and you know either look at a broad area or look at a much smaller area so what i you know some of the things which i hopefully i get some kind of feedback where this could be more useful is, I think one of the things we thought we can do is currently what, you know, the primary way in which I rank this is, you know, what people who use the reports, who read these reports and who comment on these reports, who look at uh, other patent filings and then kind of modify or improve on them, what they are saying is pretty much what is being captured just in terms of numbers. So if they kind of cite it, we, we pull it down. So that is the way we are kind of looking at it. But that could be, you know, it gets a little bit more kind of standard analysis kind, analyst report kind of, which is we get down into individual stock, which ranks very high, and then kind of analyze the specific technology and look at uh, what is the competitive advantage that particular company has with respect to this particular technology uh, by actually us reading uh, about what, you know, these journals say. So this is one one of the things which I thought might be useful, um, you know, whenever a report is published, rather than just providing a very high-level, um, you know, just numbers-driven view. There are some limitations. Uh, the algorithms looks only at English publications, so you know there are a lot of research publications that are done in other languages, uh, even the patents, uh, you know, there are in other languages. So we are not able to capture those things, you know, in our analysis. So we miss out on Particularly some of the Chinese companies. I think I'd written recently a report on uh, sanitary pads and diapers. And Henggan, you know, misses out quite a bit on that. In fact, it doesn't come in the top few names at all. And part of the reason could be either they're not innovating enough. That is possibly one of the reasons. Uh, The other reason could be very well that, you know, despite a very strong presence in China, they and they might be publishing most of whatever ideas that they're having or innovation they're coming up. In Chinese and not bothering to kind of uh, do a translation of it. Uh, The last thing which we do try to screen out the trolls in the sense that there are people who just kind of publish for the sake of publishing. And uh, there are methods in which we kind of take that out, but they do come into the screen sometimes. And the flip side of it also happens. There are some companies which actually do a lot of innovation, but they just can't uh, bother about you know, going to conference or uh, publishing papers uh, or even patenting uh, whatever they've come up with. And um, so Tesla being, you know, a classic example. But uh, so those things might actually uh, be things which don't rank very high. But by and large, I think, uh, you know, those kind of things are the exception rather than the norm. Uh, So we are generally being able to capture and kind of do a reasonable ranking of, uh, how different companies stand within a broad sector or within a much narrower space. So that is pretty much what I wanted to talk about. Um, And if there are any questions, really happy to do it.
0: Thank you very much for this, Piyari. If you have any feedback on anything that Piyari talked about uh, here today, you can uh, always email us at research at smartkarma.com and we will make sure to pass it on. Look, since looking at patent filings is is uh, such a large part of your methodology, and we know that uh, companies sometimes file several patents without necessarily acting on them, or as you said, uh, some of them uh, might not publish very much uh, on uh, their innovations is your criteria kind of the the number the number of patents that uh, a company files no. on something or is it specific types of patents
1: no it is not so i think uh, the number of patents file you're correct it it, it 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 can be can be very misleading because you know we try to take out trolls in particular but even companies do it partly many of them are just defensive patents uh, so that they don't get but uh, the way we kind of i think we give a lot of weightage to the kind of impact some of these patents can have. Uh, and uh, in some industries, you know, you may not see too many very highly impactful patents, but in some areas, you'll see very, very impactful patents. So to give you examples would be if you get into materials area, there are very, very impactful patents that come in. Uh, but in some of the software areas, they're just not really impactful, but they do the filing and the numbers run up. So what we do is to uh, do impact is we have different ways in which we kind of look at it. But to give you one of the example is going to be uh, who is citing the patent and who is commenting on these patents, right? So if it is a person who has got a lot, large number of them citing, we give it a little bit higher weight, right? Um, versus somebody who has not done anything on it. Uh, so that is basically one of the ways in which we kind of look at uh, you know how to rank these in terms of the impact. And of course, the number of times it is is true, but we also look at who is doing it. So that is one of the ways, but there are other things as well, in the sense that, uh, you know, there's something called family patents. They're just doing it at multiple areas. They're filing the patents in slightly modified ways. You know, they don't carry as much weight. So they, again, drop one level uh, below.
0: I say Thank you very much. That clears it up quite a quite a bit. Have you established that innovation generally tends to be proportionate to outperformance? Um, you, have, you cited the example of Largan and, and Genius, uh, which was yeah, I think, quite clear cut, but uh, but does it tend to have you observed a trend in this regard? Yeah, so
1: I think uh, yes. So in the sense that uh, I, I just have been running for some other companies. So, so to give you one of the examples, of course, Moderna got lucky with the mRNA vaccine coming up. But if you look, they actually were doing quite well with innovation before that came in. So they were there at the right time when the need came up. Uh, Another example would be, there are companies, I think there is a company called 10x Genomics, which is basically in the same similar kind of area. Uh, They've done a lot of uh, innovations and they rank quite high in some of the impact levels of some of the patents. They've done quite well. Uh, and I gave you the example of Denseply and Align technologies. I mean, you can, uh, I think Align comes in that name, though it, you cannot clearly see it because it is, you know, there were 160 companies I didn't show. Sure. But if I were to kind of look at um, just that and have a look at the share price performance, I think it comes in the, the second of the, I think in slide five. Yeah, they've, they rank very, very high just in terms of the number of, uh, you know innovations that they've come up with particularly in the recent times and that that is there in the share price reflecting the share price. So one of the ways somebody can do is if he has a particular stock in mind can actually just go and then you know actually go physically look google up and search how many patents they have and uh, count the number of patents. these are publicly available information but the issue you'll have is you just cannot do a proper comparison right? as to how they stand within the sector. And that is pretty much what the value add in this really is. It kind of across the sector, it looks at any company which is uh, kind of in that space and uh, relative positioning uh, based on both the number of innovations, the type of innovations, when it was done uh, and the impact of the uh, innovation that is basically kind of consolidated.
0: I say thank you very much. You have talked about companies in uh, the tech sector, uh, companies in pharmaceuticals. Do these sectors, these industries tend to be better placed for your research to track? Or can your research be applied to other industries as well? Yeah, it's any
1: industry. So um, so if you're looking at even agriculture, right, I mean, you can have. So you might wonder what, of course, you have Monsanto and the seeds and the tissue culture and all those as uh, you know those are like you know high tech kind of stuff. So uh, that is easy to know that there will be innovation and things happening. But even as things like simple things, how can you speed up spraying fertilizer? Right, there are innovations in that area, and you find companies which make equipment that you know speeds it up or gives a larger area or more equitably you know some technology to more equitably spray it. Uh, actually, you know they start to do better over time. And uh, it can be done across all sectors, so that's not an issue. It it, it really goes down to you uh, defining what is the area you want to really look at, uh, looking at what is you know likely to be there with every company which is doing in this. So if it is going to be something as simple as a dentistry, you can you know just bother about dentistry and kind of start look. But if you look agriculture, it becomes very difficult because that is too broad. It can be, as I said, it can be seeds, it can be tissue culture, it can be equipments, it can be anything. So then you need to kind of narrow and do your search accordingly. Uh, so it's very specific definition of what you want to dig into. I think that is quite important. But it can be done across all sectors, semiconductors, even cryptography, maybe not crypto as in cryptocurrencies, but you know, there is cryptography before currencies came in, You know, which is the financial industry using. So you can have a look and see who are the banks who are best in this right so uh, but and who have come up with these kind of innovation whether it's PayPal or whether it is Square or whether it is Bank of America or MasterCard you'll be able to get an idea as to you know who has been the most innovative in these areas so it's across different
0: sectors yeah Got it thank you very much if you had to uh, from from what you're looking at right now, uh, if you had to pick uh, one or two most exciting opportunities uh, for investors, where would you point them to?
1: So, look, I think this is firstly, as I've got this philosophy of don't take candy from strangers, which is, you know, I'm a stranger. You're right. There is nobody who is kind of directly linked to me from to take the thing. But I think longer term, if I were to look at the overall space, uh, life sciences will see. What happened in technology in the sense that, you know, if you take, go back about 20, 25 years ago, technology would have been about, I don't know, 5% of GDP or 6% of GDP or whatever, but that has come down, come up around 15, 20%. And partly because there have been certain breakthroughs which we just didn't expect. And what we we often, uh, this thing is the knock on impacts. To give you an example, is we talked about Largan and Genius, the camera modules and the phones, Uh, how that has impacted Google and YouTube. Right is huge. Right, in fact, YouTube would have made more money from the evolution of high-quality uh, camera modules than Logan made. Right, and that kind of innovation, I think, there is a good possibility of happening in the life sciences space. And then I think it's very difficult to figure out what the knock-on and the benefits are going to be. But that could very well be something that um, you know, longer term, uh, would become a much uh, much more important part, and you start to see companies with uh, you know significantly large market caps, you know, the double, triple, quadrupling kind of market values.
0: Right. Uh, digital health is a, a big um, a big conversation topic these days, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned YouTube because uh, it seems like those exact big tech companies, uh, big consumer tech f- uh, facing companies are also set to play a a very large role in getting this digital health technology to consumers. Uh, So in this sense, it might be worth uh, to continue looking in that direction. Well, thank you uh, very much, Gary. Uh, If there are uh, no other questions, we can uh, wrap our session up. I would like to thank you, uh, all of you for attending today. If you have any other questions, as I mentioned before, you can email us at uh, research at smartkarma.com. I would encourage everyone to follow Piari's work on Smart Karma, uh, as he will certainly share more interesting insights down the line. And if you uh, wish to engage Piari directly, uh, please uh, reach out to your Smart Karma account manager, and they will help connect you. Piari, thank you very much once again. Thank you very much for watching this. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with your networks and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening and see you at the next one.